Hey family, welcome to the Vision Church Podcast. This past Sunday, we talked about the Holy Spirit. I I personally feel that the Holy Spirit is probably the most misunderstood and definitely the most ignored in the Godhead. And so this past Sunday, we unpacked many scriptures about the Holy Spirit, who He is, His purpose, and what's available to us as Christians. So I want to encourage you, this is something that that you have to... um, judge by the Spirit as you read the Scriptures with us. And so I encourage you to take notes and and allow God to speak to your heart. Enjoy the podcast. We are so glad that you're here. Hey, how about that worship? Huh? How about our worship team? So grateful. We are so thankful for them. So thankful for Susanna adding to our worship with uh, art pieces, and we're excited about that. Hey, put your hands on your heart this morning. Say this after me. Heavenly Father, I came today because I need to hear from heaven. So I ask you for ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive what you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Tell your neighbor they look great this morning, and you can be seated. And I'm going to ask you on this Pentecost Sunday to turn to Acts chapter 2 this morning. Acts chapter 2. You didn't know it's Pentecost Sunday, didn't you? All right, all through the Bible, and let me say this as a disclaimer before I get started this morning, because if you were ever going to take notes in a vision service, this would be the Sunday to start. Okay, so you're going to probably want to take notes. I'm going to give you a lot of good scriptures and words this morning. And so I want to make sure that you are able to digest all of it because what we're going to talk about this morning is the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I got one person excited about the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to ask you, Chris, if you wouldn't mind opening up the, uh, the drapes, opening up our windows for us this morning, I feel like we just need an influx of the Holy Spirit in this place. Uh, through light as well. But all through the Bible, I want to start by saying this. All through the Bible, and you see um, through the Old Testament all the way leading up to the New Testament, you see this. You see, first you see God above us, and then you see Jesus who came and he was with us, God with us, and then you have now the Holy Spirit who is in us. God above us, Jesus with us, and now Holy Spirit in us. When Jesus died on the cross, then when that was done and the veil in the temple was rent in two, and then he said, listen, guys, go to Jerusalem and wait. Holy Spirit came, and now Holy Spirit is able to be on the inside of us. And there's specific reasons that we need the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. I first want to look at Acts 2, verse 17. I told you I would move right along through this, so please hang with me. Acts 2, verse 17. This is Peter speaking by the Spirit of God. He says, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. All flesh. Now turn over to 1 Corinthians 2. I want to look at verse 12, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12. It says this, now we have received not of the spirit of the world, but of the spirit who is from God, that, he might, that we might know the things 
that have been freely given to us by God. I, I believe personally that, that so many Christians live at such a low level of Christianity that it, it really is basically fire insurance. I heard one minister say this, my pastor I served in Austin, Texas used to say it this way. He said, and those of you that are insurance people can appreciate this, I'm sure, that when I got saved, I got liability, right? But I didn't realize that God had a full comprehensive policy for me, something that covers everything. You know, when we, we just bought a new home and so we bought the home warranty. I learned a lot about the home warranty when we were renting for those three years because every time there was something wrong, I would text the owner and the, and the owner would say, oh, okay, I'll let our policy holder know. I'll let our insurance people know. And I went, oh, tell me about this home insurance. And so we got home insurance because we want to be able to have a full everything covered, right? So that we're able to reach out for help. So in Christianity, there is so, so much more than just getting saved. Getting saved is an excellent place to start, right? It's like that song in Sound of Music. Let's start from the very beginning. The beginning is a good place to start, however that goes, right? So salvation is a great place to start. But how many of you know God has more for us? He does. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. And so I want to talk about why the Holy Spirit is a significant part of our Christian walk. Okay, these are not in any particular order, but these are just how it was downloaded to me. And so I want to deliver them to you in the same way. Number one, the reason that the Holy Spirit is so imperative and is um, significant in our walk with God is that number one, he empowers us. He empowers us. Now, let's turn over to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. I want you to notice something that in Jesus' life, he didn't do any miracle signs or wonders until after he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Till after he was filled with the Holy Spirit. So in Matthew chapter 3, it describes that event when Jesus was filled with the Spirit. Look at verse 16. It says, after his baptism... As Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens opened and they saw the Spirit of God descending. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove settling upon him. Who is the Spirit of God? This is the Holy Spirit. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. This translation says in the NLT, who brings me great joy. I feel the same way about my son. So, so Jesus it was only after this event, then Jesus began to perform miracle signs and wonders. Do you see that? And so Jesus, in other words, was dependent upon the Holy Spirit. I'm going to get more into that in just one moment. I was talking to a guy recently, and he was talking about how he used to smoke cigarettes. And he had difficulty stopping smoking. And he said, but Phil, do you know when I was able to do it? He said, it was when the Holy Spirit, when after I was filled with the Spirit, he said, he empowered me to stop. I asked him to help. The Holy Spirit is called our helper. He's called our comforter. That means when you're going through trials and tribulations, you have comfort. That means whenever you're faced with a problem that you can't solve, he's your helper, right? He's the one that helps us. So some people, though, they say, well, 
that was Jesus. You know, I don't know if you've heard people say this, but I have, where, you know, whenever it begins to talk about um, how Jesus, how, you know, you can, you can, for instance, stop smoking, just like this guy talked about. Well, Jesus was perfect. I mean, that was Jesus. Well, wait a minute. Let me, let me submit this to you. In order for Jesus to be the spotless lamb, to be the sacrifice that we needed, then he had to, um, one, leave heaven, leave what he knew in heaven, and submit himself to becoming 100% man. Otherwise, the sacrifice wouldn't work. Why? Because he didn't come legally to the earth. If he came any other way, he wouldn't have come legally to the earth. It had to be through a woman, right? And so Jesus became 100% man. And so what that means for you, the reason this is good news for you, is because he was tempted in every way that you are. Some people think, oh, well, it was Jesus. I mean, he's God. I'm not arguing that, but what I am saying to you is that he humbled himself as a man. Why do you think he called himself the son of man? He was letting everybody know, no, I'm human. The only way to come legally to the earth is to become human, but he endured the temptations that you and I endured only without sin. You know, the, the devil is crafty. You know what he does? He brings temptation to you, and then he accuses you right behind it. Why are you thinking that way? Why is that tempting you? You must have a problem with that. No, temptation is not a sin. Yielding to temptation is the sin. Heeding to it, right? So Jesus is 100% man. So that means he endured pain, he endured suffering, he endured the hardships that you and I do. But once he was baptized with the Holy Spirit, that was the turning point. That was what took Jesus from only functioning in the natural to functioning in the supernatural. Can we see that? Okay. All right, I'm gonna keep rolling then. So Jesus began to do what he was anointed to do after he was filled. So after he was filled with the Spirit, a couple of things happened. One of the things that happened was over in Luke 4. Turn over there. Luke chapter 4. So Jesus goes into the temple, and he takes the scroll of Isaiah, and he begins to read. And so in Luke 4, verse 18, we see what Jesus read. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. And look what he goes on to say. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So again, Jesus now that he's been filled with the Holy Spirit, he's able to perform supernatural things that he wasn't able to do before. So turn over to Acts 10. Acts chapter 10. We're going to read verse 38 out of there. So I want you to see this, that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. God was with him. So number one, the Holy Spirit empowers us. Number two, this is what else he does. The Holy Spirit leads us. 
He leads us. You see Jesus being led into the wilderness. You see Jesus being led to this town. You see, you see Jesus being led by compassion, the Holy Spirit. And, but we also see Paul. You remember Paul and Barnabas, and they were led to this town. They were led over here. The, the Spirit forbid them to go in this direction, told them to instead to go over here. This is the direction that we need. How many of you know it's much better to buy the right house, to marry the right spouse, to have the right career, to work the right job, the one that's picked out for you? Oh, Phil, I don't believe there's a perfect person. No, I don't either, but I do believe that there's the right person for people to marry. God can handpick people. You say, well, Phil, I have my shot and it messed up. Well, let me tell you something about God. He doesn't have a plan B. He only has another plan A for you. Come on. He can turn it completely around and put you in a situation that it's a blessing in your life, that that's the person that God had for you. I think sometimes we're at fault because we step out too early. We step out on what we don't know. Let me give you a word from heaven. Always step out on what you know. I know you're digesting that. I paused for effect because, I mean, that's, that's something to take in. I, let me tell you this real quick. When Nicole and I were getting married, it was 1992. It was 124 degrees in Phoenix, Arizona. We were actually getting married in Tempe. Hot, hot, hot. You jump in the pool, it doesn't matter. It's, it's like soup. It's not refreshing at all out there. So just so you know, in case you're thinking, well, just go jump in the pool. Not unless it's filled with ice cubes. <laughs> it's not going to do much. So anyway, so, and here it is my wedding day. I don't know why you needed to know all that. I'm in the waiting room and the music's playing 30 seconds before it's time for me to walk out. I've got my dad in there. We're in a broom closet. We're all standing like this. It was my bright idea for all of my groomsmen to wear these long winter coats. They thanked me later. And so here we are, sweating, we're standing there, and my dad turns to me with 30 seconds left before we're supposed to walk out, and he says, Phil, are you sure? Because you and I can go get in the car right now, and we're out of here. I thought, yeah. I thought, that's something to say right before I'm about to walk out and marry my forever wife. And, but I thought about it later. Thank you, Dad, for asking me that. Because what my dad was really asking was, do you know? Do you know? Step out on what you know. Okay, that was not in my notes. That was free of charge. So let's get back. He leads us. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says this. Those, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons and daughters of God. If you're being led by the Spirit and you're following after him, guess what? Son of God, right here. I'm following what God has put in my heart. See, many times Jesus admitted his full dependency upon the Father and on the Holy Spirit. Think about this. In Luke chapter 1, verse 35, he was conceived by the Spirit. In Luke 3, verse 22, in Luke 4, 18, he was baptized, he was anointed through the Spirit. In Luke 4, verse 1, he was led by the Spirit. In Hebrews 9, 14, he submitted to crucifixion through the Spirit. And then in Romans 8, verse 11, he was raised from death to life by the Spirit. 
Mm. So Jesus did the Father's will as the power of the Holy Spirit flowed through him. This is how you have to do it as a man. As a man. See, we're supposed to follow his example. We are supposed to allow the Spirit of God to flow through us. It's his Spirit that gives us words in due season for other people. It's his Spirit that gives us favor on the job when we're believing God for promotion. Man, I think about the times that God gave me favor. I worked a job uh, for a season before we began to travel on the road in ministry. And <clears throat> when I was working this job, it was, the, it was a job selling software. So we sold inventory software management systems to car dealers. And let me tell you, if you can sell a car dealer, you're a salesman. Because man, those are the sales dudes, right? And uh, so anyway, and, and there were sometimes during season, we had a quota each week. And there were sometimes during the week that I was, you know, I was working to hit my quota. And sometimes you have amazing weeks and you get to go home early. And sometimes you have other weeks you got to work harder for, right? So this was, so I remember this one particular week I was working harder for this week, but I was on the phone making calls. You know, I'm not looking for a no, I'm looking for the yes. And so I'm making these calls and being diligent. And my boss calls me on the phone and says, hey, Phil, come to my office. I want to talk to you. Oh, okay. So I come to his office and he said, hey, Phil, just want to let you know, I put a couple of deals uh, in your account for you. I said, what? You did? And he said, yeah. He said, they were call-ins. He said, I, I closed them over the phone. He said, but I want to give them to you. And I got teary-eyed. And I said, why do you want to give them to me? And he said, because while you're on the phone making sales calls, I've got other salesmen who are playing around online and are playing around on their cell phone. He said, and they don't think I'm monitoring but I monitor everybody. Favor of God. I'm sorry. I know diligence had something to do with it, but that's the favor of God. Man, that's what the Holy Spirit does in our life. So I have a question for you. If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, how much do you and I need? How much more do we need him? If he needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit, how much more do we need him? Amen. So today, Pentecost Sunday, what is Pentecost? Let's talk for a moment about Pentecost. Pentecost was one of the main feasts of Israel. The name is derived from a Greek word, and I'm going to spell it to you. I'm not going to try and say it. P-E-N-T-E-K-O-S-T-O-S. -E -E -O -O it, it means 50th. It means 50th. So it was held the 50th day after the Passover Sabbath, Passover being when Jesus was crucified, right? So Jesus crucified. His death, burial, resurrection, greatest event in history ever, right? But what Jesus said was, listen, he was telling his disciples, in fact, turn over there. Turn over to John chapter 16. So Jesus had to go away. So the Holy Spirit can come. In fact, in Acts chapter 2, it talks about how Jesus was exalted to the right hand of the throne of God. And so there he is. And so he says, and this is number three, he guides us. Well, the Holy Spirit guides us if you're, on, if you're not doing your numbers. One, two, and three. Third is he guides us. So John 16, this is Jesus introducing the Holy Spirit to the disciples. Listen to what he says in verse 7. We're going to read down through 15. It says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I do what? Yeah. 
I go away. For if I do not go, if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Now jump to verse 12. He said, I still have many things that I want to say to you, but you cannot hear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. So it is through the Holy Spirit that Scripture comes alive and is revealed. I was born again at the age of six. Now, being filled with the Holy Spirit is different from salvation and water baptism, okay? In fact, water baptism, we're going to be having water baptism July 4th. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to do it in a pool that we found somewhere, and so we're excited about that. We're going to, we're going to do water baptism, but so... But I was talking about being filled with the Spirit. When you're filled with the Spirit, this is separate from those two events. Okay, I wanted to make sure that you understood that. And when this happened for me, I was 11 years old. And when that happened, I remember Scripture began to come alive. Because Scripture is spiritually discerned. And I, re I remember... I was in seventh grade, and I remember we had Bible class. I was, I was going, it was my first year at a Christian school. I'd never gone to a Christian school before. I'd gone to public schools up to that point. And we had Bible class. And I've scored, I was scoring literally A pluses, straight A pluses in Bible class. And I didn't understand it because in other classes, I didn't do nearly as well as Bible class. Holy Spirit, <laughs> help me. He was helping me. So let's read, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I want to read verse 10 to you. It says, God has revealed them, revealed what? His, the mysteries of the gospel to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Now look at verse 14. It says, someone living, I'm going to read to a different translation. This is a passion translation. Someone living on an entirely human level rejects the revelations of God's spirit, for they make no sense to him. So in other words, if you're reading the Bible without the spirit of God, then it might as well be a novel, might as well be some harlequin, something, you know, because that's about what you're going to receive from it. I know, I know I have personal uh, friends, people that I know that are not saved that have read through the Bible. And they didn't get much out of it other than a textbook, a collection of history, a collection of stories. Uh, it says, but for they make, no, they make no sense to them. Read on the next sentence. He says, he can't understand the revelations of the Spirit because they are only discovered by the illumination of the Spirit. That means they are spiritually discerned. So this is important. The Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. And how many of you know there seems to be some confusion about truth today? People have different versions of the truth. Well, your truth may not be my truth. Well, if it's the word of God, it is. Because without truth, there is no clear definition of right, what's right and wrong. 
So the Spirit of God, the Word of God is truth. And then number four, the Holy Spirit, the reason the Holy Spirit is significant in our lives is He gives us boldness to be witnesses. Turn over to Acts chapter 4. Come on, it's getting going to get exciting in here. Acts chapter 4. Look at verse 31. It says, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. This was very helpful for these disciples. Over, over, and you'll remember, before Jesus ascended, he met with his disciples. And in John 20, verse 22, he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. So he was speaking, he, he, he was speaking it into their life. So, but then, if you'll turn over to Acts chapter 1, See, Jesus commanded his disciples not to do anything until they received the promise of the Holy Spirit. So in Acts chapter 1, look at verse 4. It says that they were all together, they were assembled together with them, and he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, like I just said, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So he told them to wait. Why? They needed the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to have boldness, to know what to say, to speak, and so the Spirit can flow through what we say. See, the Holy Spirit enables you to be more effective ministering to other people than you by yourself. You can be creative. You can have a good personality. You can be funny. But we need the Holy Spirit. Why? The Holy Spirit is the one who convicts hearts. He's the one that draws people to himself. And I, I, you know, I believe that many Christians sincerely love God, but they serve him in their own power which is as good as dead works because we've been saved by the spirit to the spirit. Mm. Acts chapter two. So let's read. So think about this. Jesus has told the disciples, I want you to wait in Jerusalem. And so the disciples have all gathered together and here they are waiting. And it's not just the disciples, it's them and a bunch of others, people that, that, that have made decisions. For Christ. And so here they all are gathered together, and he says, Wait for the promise of the Spirit. So let's say it's day 19. I, I don't know if you remember the disciples. I mean, I think that they prayed a lot during this time, probably. But if you'll remember, the disciples were not great prayers. Remember Jesus? Could you not pray for one hour? I mean, after you've prayed for an hour, what do you do then? You wait. Day 19. Hey, let's eat. Well, we're fasting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's, let's fast. All right, day 21. So, Peter, remind me again, when, what, what was it exactly that Jesus said? And he said to come to Jerusalem and wait. He said the promise of the Holy Spirit's going to come. 
Do you know, did he say, give an indication when that was going to happen? No, no. Do you know why I think in America that we don't see the kind of miracles that we see overseas? Because I've been to developing countries. And two things stand out to me. One is value. Do we value what God can do in our life? Why? Because I, I go to a third world or developing country and I see someone who walks 20 miles to stand in the heat all day and wait for the crusade that night because they're, they're hungry. They want to see a move of God in their life, in their spouse's life, in their family's life, in their friend's life. And so they're willing to make the sacrifice. The other thing is that developing countries don't have as many things that can choke the word as we do in our life. And it makes it of no effect. Because oftentimes people will begin, they'll start out in faith, but then life happens and they allow that to choke the faith in them that they were believing for the miracle. I see it happen all the time. And then that's how doctrines are developed. Doctrines are always developed out of things not working out. So, let's say it's day 32. Peter, can we eat now? (laughs) I don't know, maybe they started eating. But let's say it gets to day 37. Day 39, day 41, day 47, day 49. Peter, I'm done. I mean, we've been waiting here for 49 days. We hadn't seen nothing. I don't think it's coming. How many times have people been right up, right next to their miracle? Day 49, and they've given up. They've decided, you know what? The Bible isn't true. After all, this doesn't really work. You know what that other minister said, that sometimes God does, sometimes God doesn't, and we don't understand it, and we don't know. That must be true. And they give up. But not the disciples. Not this group of people. They're waiting. They're waiting. They may not have even had these conversations, I'm telling you. And so day 50, now verse 1, read it with me. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm from Oklahoma. And when I think of rushing mighty wind, I think of a tornado. And I don't know if you've ever been in a tornado, but it sounds like a train in the distance. There's a low roar. And it just sounds like, I mean, just this low roar coming and getting closer. And you hear, you know, barns that it's knocking over and outhouses and whatever else. And then you and then you hear the pops of the transformers popping as it gets closer. So here's this sound from heaven and it filled the whole house where they are sitting. And that place must have been rocking. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. No one was left out, sat upon each of them. And they were all what? 
filled. Filled. Now, I've drank out of this a little bit, so it's not filled. This said that it filled them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, I want to say this to you, because I, how many of you will come back and let me talk to you about tongues? Will you? Only, only some of you? Okay. All right. Well, because here's why. In order to, I just really feel like God wanted me to take my time with this. And so I'm not going to rush through. But that doesn't mean that you can't receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit today. You don't need to hear the full teaching on tongues in order to receive it. But I feel it's, it's so important. It's so important because how many of you know the English language has become corrupt? It's become contaminated. But tongues is a language that is pure. You can't contaminate it. And when you pray in tongues, the Bible says that you are praying the perfect will of God. So as you pray, what we're supposed to do as Christians, what the Bible says to do is for us to interpret, to pray that God would interpret what we're praying in tongues. Why? I don't get the benefit until it's interpreted to me. I get edified. I get built up in the inner man. I'm already preaching on it and I haven't even, all right. Acts 2, 4, so you're coming back. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into a lot more detail on tongues. But it says in Acts 2, 41, that they instantly were transformed into powerful witnesses and they testified to Jesus with great boldness. 3,000 people were saved and water baptized immediately following this. So there's a big difference in you having the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit having you. John, 13, or John 3, verse 34 says this. It says, and I'm going to ask Rebecca to come. It says, God does not give the Spirit by measure. You know what that means? He doesn't limit the Spirit that you get. God doesn't say, hey, James, you get to have this much Spirit. And Clint, you're, you're, you know, you're, I'm just going to give you muy poquito Spirit. God doesn't do that. He gives His Spirit without limit. That means there's no limit to it. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search Vision Church. If you would like to help support this ministry, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give.